when you send me packing down Green River Valley, I knew that if you could... Hey, this is uh, Adam with Mile High Stash, the podcast that asks what five albums you would take to a remote Colorado cabin in the event of a zombie apocalypse. Thanks for the uh, donations recently via milehighstash.com and also the uh, reviews on um, Apple Podcast, which really do go a long way. Um, it is Women's History Month, and our guest this week is Bridget Regan, the great violinist and founding member of Flogging Molly, who just followed up their last album, Anthem, with a brand new EP called Till the Anarchy's Restored. Um, along with violin, Bridget also plays the tin whistle and sings in Flogging Molly, which I'm sure you know is an Irish-American band that's about to celebrate 30 years since their first show. Um, I think it took me a long time to get into Flogging Molly because I'm such a fanatic for the Pogues and um, didn't, <laughs> didn't realize, I, I think, how different the Pogues and Flogging Molly are and until recently and now i love both bands flogging molly is much more in the sort of irish but punk like punk in the anti-flag and no effects way you know than the pogues and it's it it's just completely different and they're both great um i was able to um, interview bridget while flogging molly was on stage and you'll find out very quickly during our interview why that was possible. Anyway, Bridget is from Detroit. I'm, I'm from Pittsburgh, but both places have a very direct kind of personality. I, I remember hanging out a lot at a punk bar in San Francisco, or used to be a punk bar. Now it's, now it's kind of, I'm sure there are a lot of tech bros there, <laughs> but it's called Zeitgeist. Um, and when I moved there at age 21, the bartenders were very direct. There was this sign that said, no patchouli above above the bar. And I was there once when they actually kicked someone out for wearing patchouli. That person might be listening to this episode, actually. They were always kind of like, what do you want? And I love that. No nonsense. It made me feel incredibly at home. Nobody trying to impress anybody. Nobody even capable of being impressed. And Bridget Regan is that way too. Even when I asked her the dumbest possible question about flogging Molly, which uh, got its start playing Molly Malone's in Los Angeles. Flogging Molly is in the midst of a ridiculously long tour right now, and the tour hits the Boulder Theater on March 12th. If you're around Boulder, I highly recommend stopping by Rising Tide Tattoo very soon because they are simply the best tattoo shop around similar to how 105.5 the colorado sound is the best radio station around and you can hear them online all over the world or at 105.5 around boulder rising tide won the best of boulder last year at the boulder weekly poll and uh rising tide is also about to hold its annual best of boulder raffle and all you have to do is take a picture of your best of boulder ballot and email it to risingtidetattoo at gmail.com and you'll be entered in their 
annual contest. Um, there's a $100 winner, a $200 winner, and the grand prize, a $300 tattoo gift certificate winner. I actually know the winner of last year's Rising Tide Best of Boulder, Boulder Weekly raffle. So this is the real deal. You got to enter risingtidetattoo at gmail.com. I'm going to shut up now so that you can hear my chat with the great Bridget Regan of Flogging Molly. My kid and I are going to Pittsburgh Pirates baseball spring training in Florida this weekend, and I got to get some work done before we leave. This episode of Mile High Stash is brought to you in part by Rising Tide Tattoo Emporium. Boulder's premier tattoo shop. Rising Tide is led by the incredible Phil Bartel, who has been tattooing for over 25 years and is inspired by the Japanese tattoo lineage, Tibetan Tonka painting, and Art Nouveau. Book an appointment at Rising Tide with Phil or another of the shop's amazing artists who work closely with each client to make sure every piece is unique and true to their vision. Rising Tide welcomes walk-ins as well as appointments, so stop by today or head to TattooBoulder.com. Nice to see you. How how are you? I'm doing good. Um, I was just looking at your tour schedule, and my my first question is, how do you do this with uh, uh, I mean, you're in the South, and then I saw you're gonna go New York and New Jersey, and then come back. So do you? Is it like ginseng or what? How do you take care of yourself on this tour? <laughs> this <laughs> is a bad example, since the guys are all obviously getting they're getting ready to go on stage now, and about. A half hour. Um, I am unfortunately out of commission for the next four to six weeks. So, oh no. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know if you obviously have not heard the news. Very, no. very first show of the tour. Um, Austin City Limits. Dave and I were uh, got off stage, headed back out to the tour bus, and somebody had left a like a, a wet towel on the, the staircase leading up to the bus. And I uh, tripped on it and fractured my shoulder. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. So, yeah, I I have not played a show since the first date. And, um, yeah, hopefully I'll be back in, you know, the, the four-week time limit that they gave me. Yeah. I'm you... hoping for the best. Well, I'm hoping for the best, too. Have you... Um, ever had an experience where you missed um, a string of shows like this before? Not like this, no. Wow. You guys are coming up on 30 years as a band, is that right? Uh, Yeah, Dave and I are certainly over 30 years playing together, yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm so interested to talk with you. I mean, everybody knows Dave's story. He's from Ireland. He moved to L.A. in um, his 20s. He played in a band with um, one of the guys from Motorhead and then started Flogging Molly. But what is your story? Where are you from? What kind of music were you playing prior to being um, a founding member, right? Yeah. Um, well, I was born in Detroit um, to an Irish family. I have dual citizenship. Um, and I grew up playing a mix of classical and uh, traditional Irish music. Um, I also went to LA in my teens, late teens, 
uh, and met Dave. And yeah, I think that the night we met, the next day we were we were playing music and writing songs together. So wow. Did you have experience playing in bands before that? Um, somewhat. I'd I'd sat in with uh, a lot of bands and a lot of other musicians, but I mean, nothing like this. Nothing where, I mean, it all. I know. I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of musicians and bands and artists say this, but it honestly did. It happened like super organically. We just yeah. we met, hit it off, and started started playing music together. And I guess the rest is <laughs> history. Yeah. My impression was that it's kind of a mix of the Pogues and the Clash. But the more the last couple of days I listened, um, I'm I'm hearing Irish music and no effects. It's it's more punk than the Clash um, in the fast paced kind of thing. Um, what was your exposure to both Irish music and, and maybe heavier music, punk rock music. Yeah. Growing up, um, it was, it, yeah, it was just really old school trad. Uh, the, I didn't really listen to the Pogues kind of until I was older, but, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of a band called horse lips. No, they kind of, they predate the Pogues. They're mm. kind of the band to really kind of combine trad with, um, you know, any sort of mainstream, more like rock music. Obviously, it wasn't punk rock at the time because they were more 70s. But um, yeah, yeah, like the Chieftains, the Clancy Brothers, Planksty, Horse Lips. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the one thing we had in common. Like when it came to Irish music, we both did kind of listen to the same things. Luke Kelly and the Dub Dubliners, yeah. obviously, were huge influence, especially for Dave. But um definitely on our on our songs and the way we put things together do you feel like sort of the musical um foot in irish traditional music in vlogging molly maybe in this in a similar way that spider stacy's um penny whistle is like that for the pokes um i i mean certainly this tour more than ever because it's, I, it just, it became quite apparent when, I guess, taking me out of the equation for these last few shows and for mm. the upcoming shows, Dave is, he has really, really struggled. Mm. Um, for the, for, I don't know if they still are, but the guys, Dave first, he said it at a sound check, like everybody's hearing Phantom Fiddle and Whistle, mm -hmm. even though I'm not up on stage. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, and Dave's like, okay, you guys hear it too. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> losing mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's bizarre. Dave, Dave is struggling and yeah. Um, he's saying, you know, me not being up there. It's like, it, it, it became apparent to him. He's, he's saying that I'm the glue and I'm like, well, shit, this should be interesting. <laughs> that must be sad that it's happening, but, but, you know, sort of nice to hear too. It's uh, it's it's torturous. As yeah. I said, I'm on the tour bus. Dave just went in. They're on at ten o'clock, and I'm yeah, I'm just uh, sitting here having my nightly freakout. Wow. Well, thank you for talking with me, and that might actually lead into this scenario that um, I want to ask you about because it's about 
being in a situation that um, might freak you out. Um, if, if you imagine that you were in Colorado, maybe on tour, and somehow got trapped in in the mountains, and there was a a, a zombie <laughs> apocalypse, and all you had was uh, food, water, and a crank powered Victrola. What five albums would you want with you? Oh God, I hate questions like this. <laughs> oh, it's so difficult. Yeah. I think to narrow it down to five, I'd have to have a Beethoven symphony. Mm. Um, fifth, seventh, or ninth, but I think I'd go ninth because it has everything. Um, I'd go Planksy. Um, for some trad, and. I go Planksty, Planksty. That like Planksty was the name of their first, their very first album. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have to do some Smiths. It's probably the Queen is Dead. Um, maybe the Cure, Disintegration, mm-hmm. and then let's throw in a Beatles album. Nice. That has been a very popular uh, recently, actually. Um, a Revolver um, has been chosen by. Revolver is my go-to. Yeah. Um, everybody goes for Abbey Road or Let It Be, but uh, Revolver is my favorite. <laughs> it might be because Revolver um, was kind of when they got weird. I think they were always weird. They just <laughs> stopped hiding it on Revolver. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask you, um, as you go on tour across the country, you know, whether or not you're playing, you're still on tour. And... Um, do you have um, any memories of Colorado that kind of stick out from over the years? Um, yeah, I mean, at all tours kind of, they, they become a blur after a while. And it's like, I don't know if it's we're getting old or we're just running out of room on the hard drive and like you have to delete mm-hmm. some to, to remember the new. But um, the first time we did Red Rocks, obviously was you know a huge moment for all of us um it's such a special venue um yeah so i'm i'd go with that the view from the stage is is actually in my opinion much better than the view from the seats it's very special i i agree and i've i've seen both um Mm. it's it's not a bad day at the office yeah (laughs) um tell me about this album that is coming up the EP and um, um, I'm not sure whether you worked with Steve Albini on the album from last year as well as the EP. Yeah. So what happened was, yeah, just, I don't know when we did it or why we did it. We just um, recorded kind of not new versions of, but, just did some kind of live versions of a couple of old songs while we were in with Albini, just because mm. it's electrical, electrical audio. Um, we have Spencer on, uh, you know, banjo and mandolin, um, and Mike Alonzo on drums, who had never recorded those songs with us originally. So we just decided to throw a couple oldies down, just, you know, for shits and giggles. Mm. And then the single... Um, is just a song that we had and we had recorded and it just didn't, it didn't make it on the album. Um, which I, honestly it was, 
my favorite if if not one of my favorite tracks my my favorite track that we recorded and it always seems to work that way my favorites are mm-hmm. always the ones that don't make it on the album <laughs> so i'm i'm just excited that it's seeing the light of day is that song anarchy yeah in the wake of trumpism and and the pandemic and all of this sort of polarized america um is it tough or different at least to talk about things like anarchy um in songwriting um i think i don't know dave's dave's lyrics are they always kind of speak for themselves and kind of tell a story and convey something in a more subtle way than actually being kind of vocal about your viewpoints or political viewpoints. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Personally, it bumps like I'm, I'm a huge, like lifelong Smiths fan and um, even Morrissey, but you know, for whatever reason, he feels the need to be super vocal about, a lot of opinions that, you know, most sane people wouldn't necessarily agree with. And mm-hmm. this it, it, it then becomes a case of having to separate the art from the artist. Mm-hmm. And it's it's never fun to do. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of went off track there with more. <laughs> yeah, I, I just talking about, I guess, those things. Um, outside the context of putting it into a song, I guess it's just not something we really are into doing. So yeah. thankfully Dave is really good at uh, putting these things very subtly into beautifully written songs. For sure. And um, I wonder whether I'm from Pittsburgh actually. So when I see the anti-flag is on the bill, I remember seeing them, uh, in high school at really small clubs. And um, there was always an element in punk music where you might find out that an element of of your fan base is taking (laughs) the lyrics in a way that you didn't uh, intend. And so that was kind of the second part of my question. Has that ever happened with Flogging Molly, especially, you know, in the last six years or so? I mean, if it has, it's gone over our heads. That's at good. Least, at least from mine and Dave's perspective. Yeah. Um, I mean, we were not active on, you know, social media or stuff like that. There, there's, you know, from time to time, someone will show us something. I, I, I don't know. It just seems to me, no matter what you do on social media, um, you're, you're always going to find somebody that it pisses off or somebody yeah. that feels the need to, to stir shit or or make a shitty comment about something but um yeah i guess we just do our best to ignore stuff like that we know what the message we're you know trying to get across and where it's coming from and it's coming from a place of you know honesty and it's just it's coming from a place with no bad intentions so if somebody wants to do that then you know what let them i guess that's that's a good lesson in mental health is just staying off social media yeah it's it's their time to waste not not ours so yeah a few days ago steve albini 
uh, caused a big controversy controversy on social media because he did like a 12 tweet rant about how much he hates Steely Dan. And I, and I just loved it. It made a lot of people angry and a lot of people, um, um, gung ho about it. So I definitely, since you just worked with him, I wanted you to weigh in. What is your opinion on Steely Dan? Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anything bad about any bands, but, um, that's, that's super, that's a super Steve Albini thing to do. Minus the whole social media part. Yeah. He's not, uh, yeah. He wouldn't really come across as a big social media guy. What was it on Twitter? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> he is, he, he is very outspoken and he gives zero fucks. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was kind of surprised listening um, to um, your work with Steve Albini because it it sounds so. Um, I want to say, uh, fat and round and rocking, you know, because he's now he's known for these aggressive, you know, the the Pixies album and In Utero, um, and and things like that, and it sounds very uh natural, organic. I mean, um, that's. I think that's precisely the reason why we like working with Albini so much and the reason why we wanted to go back uh, to Albini. For one, it was just like coming full circle, but um, just in a way, going back to how we did those first two albums with him, um, it, it uh, Flavio Mali is such a live band and when when recordings started to sound not like I, I I mean I don't think anything we we ever did ever sounded overproduced by any standard but um the, just what Albini captures is like I mean we we're we're doing most of these in you know in one and two takes everything is kind of live when you're recording with Albini it's it's analog there's not mm -hmm. a lot of for for error there's uh you know, there's very little overdubs aside from Dave um, going in and doing vocals when once we laid everything down. I mean, kind of what you hear is what you get. It's everything is everything is done live. And I just I think that's where we that's kind of where this band shines. I mean, anybody can sit in a studio for two months and overdub everything and auto tune mm -hmm. everything. You know, um, that's not what we wanted to do on this one. We just wanted to go back to basics and um, there's, I don't, I couldn't think of anyone better to do that than Steve Albini. Fight me. <laughs> <laughs> um, coming up on 30 years as a band, I mean, kind of on the note of what you're talking about, what did you guys learn in the early days with playing live so much and having a residency somewhere that you're still carrying with you to this day? Um, I mean, that's that, that doing, doing residencies like that. Um, I mean, that's how, that's how we're here today. That's how we're sitting on this bus. I think it's that and the warp tour that really, um, I mean, it was, it's kind of, it was a super blue collar rise, um, mm -hmm. the way we did it. Uh, we didn't, we did not skip any rungs on the ladder. Uh, that's for sure. But yeah, we put in the work and yeah, I guess we're 
still here because of it. I think just in, in, in those foundations, I think that's what happens. Some bands, the ones that do skip any rungs on the ladder, it's just, it's a lot easier to fall and you're either starting all over again or it just, uh, it wasn't a thing to begin with. All these years later, where is Molly? Is she, is she alive? Uh, Molly is, the name is taken from a pub in LA called Molly Malone's. The person um, that it was named after, though. Yeah, that's just, that's, uh, it's like an old Dublin uh, song. Aha. Uh -huh. Called Molly Malone. There's actually a statue of Molly Malone off Grafton Street in Dublin. Um, but yeah, what year that would come from was, I, I, I don't know offhand. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I, yeah, there's, there's Molly Malone's pubs everywhere. <laughs> It's we've, like we've, we've been to Molly Malone's in St. Petersburg in Russia. We've been to Molly Malone's in Greece. We've been to oh wow, they're 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 all over the planet. It's uh, I think it's a fairly common uh name for an Irish pub. That would be like me asking whether McDonald is alive or what McDonald <laughs> is doing. <laughs> yeah, I guess <laughs> it's not a change, but yeah, there are there are many. Right. Yeah, what do Irish people think um of flogging Molly? Um, yeah, you know, Dave and I live in Ireland, um, and have done, well, we, we've moved to the country, so we're not really in the city very often. We play mm -hmm. Dublin once a year. Obviously everybody in our village knows who we are and what we mm -hmm. do. I just, you know, we, we do so well all over the rest of the world. Ireland's not really been you know it hasn't exactly been the greatest to us mm -hmm. so we just we're happy enough to yeah we'll play a show there once a year or so and you know that's dave's happy enough with that when we get home uh yeah we just retreat to the country and are pretty quiet and left alone yeah now i'm imagining um, the banshees of inishirin <laughs> have you seen that yet we have yeah i was just reading a bunch of his plays too i mean it's it, they're incredible his, his plays are great yeah that uh we've read them all seen quite a few of them yeah uh, but yeah we we thoroughly enjoy it we're we're big martin mcdonough fans <laughs> and does where you live look anything like the movie we are on the east coast um and that was all filmed on the west coast so slightly different uh no, it does not. I mean, <laughs> we are we're in Wexford, uh, right on the coast, on the east coast. So yeah, we're uh, looks a lot different. And coming up on the uh, thirty year anniversary, is that something that you've talked about? You know, having some sort of anniversary events or releases of some kind? Uh no, we we haven't. I mean, we've 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 marked kind of anniversaries of albums and stuff like that, but mm. um, because the band, the way it kind of was formed, it was it was like myself, Dave, and a, a different lineup. Mm. Um, everybody kind of joined at different different times, so it's kind of I don't know what we'd we'd be marking. 
Well, 30 years together as a band um, of some kind, and um, you're kind of the king and queen, you know, you've still, you're still reigning. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, we hadn't really thought about it. We're always so busy touring. Obviously, the pandemic kind of derailed that for, yeah. for a minute, but um, yeah, I guess, honestly, we just hadn't really thought about it. Cause like, yeah, when you say it, it's like, Jesus, has it been that long? Right. Is the salty dog cruise still happening or did the pandemic kind of get in the way? No, it's, it's happening. Uh, we did it last year. Um, oh. and yeah, it'll again this year, November, it's already, it was sold out kind of a week after the bands were announced. Um, people <laughs> seem to be really excited to get back out there. Who picks the bands? Uh, we do. You know, we we will put a list together, mm-hmm. and uh, it's we'll put a very large list together, and mm-hmm. then it's like who's available. Right. What bands are you excited about this year? Um. Well, all of them. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, honestly, Dave and I had never set foot on a cruise ship until our own cruise. We were super reluctant to do it. We just, we didn't think it was our thing. Um, we just, honestly, we weren't, we were not fully on board. Um, the very first one. And it uh, honestly, it just took that one and we were convinced we're like, wow, this is, it was just, it was completely the opposite of what we expected. It's, I mean, obviously I, I, I can only speak, from experience of ours and that's the only cruise ship I've ever been on mm-hmm. is our own cruise, but it's like, it's a floating festival. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's all centered around the bands and the music and people um, that are all just super like-minded and everybody's so happy. It's just, mm-hmm. it's bizarre. It's like, it's contagious. It's, yeah, it's it's really cool. Obviously, not the most, um, <laughs> I guess, environmentally friendly thing we could be doing right. um, by any stretch of the imagination. But I mean, after the pandemic, especially, we're just like, you know what? People need to have fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's not something that I've ever done, and it's because I think I've only heard of like jam cruise, which makes me feel like I would jump ship. You know, so maybe. Yeah going on a cruise with a bunch of bands that I love. Um, and I don't know if this is, this would actually be the case, but getting to hang out with the bands on the cruise too. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're captive. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking with me. And um, um, it, it feels like an honor to, to interview you while vlogging Molly is on stage. It's kind of surreal, but. Uh, yeah, they went on stage two minutes ago. This, uh, it, this is not, it doesn't get any easier. The, the other night we, I say we, uh, they, we, we did the Ryman in, in Nashville. And that was, um, that was especially torturous. That one, like Dave didn't even want me in the venue. Why? He's like, just don't, don't even come in. I don't even want you to see it. And I'm like, mm. oh, come on, Ryman, I have to. That was going to be your first time playing there? Yeah. Yep. That was the first time the bands played the Ryman. Yeah. So I've, um, 
I've made our agent promise that we'll be back again next year. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, I did want to ask, you know, how do you, um, it's, it, it seems like, I mean, not across the bear, but like, you know, something that you could take seriously um, if you want to, you know, just being an American band and then at, at the same time carrying some sort of a torch or a, a legacy of Irish music around the world. How do you keep kind of a foot in that? Um, Yeah, for some strange reason, um, Irish music has just kind of, there seems to be yeah like it doesn't matter where we go it's in japan it's huge germany like all over europe and it's it's yeah and <laughs> i guess it's just weird we kind of do well everywhere but ireland <laughs> um yeah i don't know people are just people are super into it it's just at the end of the day i mean it's 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 a party mm-hmm. that's that's the appeal that kind of reminds me of interviewing Los Lobos and and them saying that they're they feel celebrated everywhere except Mexico, and they're carrying this foot in, you know, Mexican traditional music. I'd but, say it's super similar. I'd say they know exactly how we feel. Yeah. Well, the the album from last year is just great, and in the EP actually these kind of live in the studio things. I just love that. I think the energy is 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 tangible. So thanks for putting that out. Yeah, thank you. We're, yeah, we're super happy with the album. Um, And yeah, hope everybody uh, likes the new single as much as we do. Yeah. Um, And best wishes to you with recovery and getting back on stage. Thank you so much. Fingers crossed. uh, Three more weeks. (laughs) So yeah, I'll be on stage for the Colorado show. Yeah, yeah. And um you know, maybe there is a silver lining of some kind and you can enjoy the tour. Um, I haven't figured out what that is yet, but I I will continue looking. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you. Nice to meet you. You too. Take care. That was Bridget Regan from Vlogging Molly. Um, I feel so bad for Bridget, not just the accident and the physical pain she must be in, but also that she's missing a long stretch of shows, really for the first time in Vlogging Molly's 30 years. Um, After our chat, the band actually confirmed that Bridget is out for the remainder of the tour with a right tuberosity fracture. But then she came back. She's like Kirk Gibson in the... 1988 World Series. Um, the rest of Flogging Molly was trying to pick up her parts and instead of hiring someone else because Bridget really can't be replaced and she made a miraculous comeback and I keep thinking about things in, in baseball terms because I'm about to go to spring training in, in Florida with my kid but yeah miraculous violin comeback and hitting home runs out there so nice job Bridget uh anyway thanks so much for listening and make sure to get in touch at milehighstash at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments or concerns um I would be concerned 
if I was you, probably.